Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries, and we're excited about our new program. We have some great testimonies, awesome music, and maybe just a little bit of preaching every once in a while, starting right now. So buckle up and hang on for Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. up I'm driving when the sun goes down the hum of 18 wheels Lord that's a lonely sound I spend all day chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two crumb stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn and Chaplain Daryl Spicer, and we'd like to ride along with you for a little while. We've got a, some great songs by Joe Arview and a powerful, powerful testimony by our good friend Terry Hopkins we'd like to share with you. So, Daryl, let's get up in the cab. Well, you get in the cab. I'm getting back in the sleeper. Looks like that driver's got a side-by-side refrigerator and a huge microwave oven. So I'll go ahead and cook y'all supper while we get rolling down the road. All right, I'm a shotgun. So, driver, we got a couple great songs by our good friend Joe Arview. You're going to love these songs. This first song is called The Best Days Are Yet to Come. Here's our good friend Joe Arview. 
cross over to the other side Kids are catching lightning bugs, the fields are full tonight And Grandma's frying popcorn in an old black iron pan These are just some memories of old time thinking man Well, the days of yesteryear Seems like only yesterday My memories are so clear the times I get to thinking The good old days are gone But I know deep down in my heart The best are yet to come And the best days are yet to come For the days with our Father Spirit and the sun When the years have passed a million We've only just begun And the best days are yet to come Now the years go flying by My hair keeps turning gray I can see the wisdom in the words my dad would say Son, you better slow down, keep your eyes on the day I can tell you cause I've been there, these are your good old days But the best days are yet to come The days with our Father, the Spirit and the Son Years have passed a million, we've only just begun. Oh, the best days are yet to come. Yeah, best days are yet to come. Oh, oh the best days are yet to come. Best days are yet to come. Life's way. You've got to try 
song that's an old glenn campbell song i believe you know gary that when i hear that song it reminds me of our speaker today oh yeah awesome man of god and a good friend terry hopkins out of georgia terry hopkins is a southern gentleman for sure he is one fine guy and i'll tell you what you'll never meet a better man or a nicer lady than his wife, Betty. Man, oh, I, yeah. I love Betty. Betty. Yeah, I, we we Betty. all love Betty. We just put up with Terry because of Betty. <laughs> You're right. Betty is a, Betty's a cat's meow. She is. She's a precious lady. She really is a precious lady. And you know, like Betty and my wife, Joyce, and your wife, Linda, they listen to God's voice first. Amen. Amen. That's you know, true. They, they, you know, don't ever uh, sell a woman short when it comes to being close to God in her prayers, you know, God just listens to them. He does. Probably because they got a lot smarter things to say than we do. <laughs> but, you know, when we talk about Terry Hopkins, before July 18th, 1982, you'd have never thought of try a little kindness about Terry Hopkins. Terry was an old hippie. Ooh. And he was also, uh, well, you know what hippies do. <laughs> yeah, they've been known to smoke a little dope and do all yeah. that other stuff. We never did that. No, but we've heard of no, people doing it. Well, yeah. actually, we might have done a few things. Oh, well, that's true. If they listened to our program last week, they already know. <laughs> yeah, they what already we know did. what we've done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, if, and if they didn't, then we'd like to hook them up with that. So but we're not bragging on that. We're bragging on Jesus. Amen. But, God changed us, and He changed Terry Hopkins, and He made Terry the man that He is today. What an awesome man! He's been all over the world preaching the gospel. And this message today is one of the most powerful messages you'll ever hear. Yeah. And, and it's it's not just preaching. It's being an example to other people. Yeah. I can't tell you how many drivers through the years that we've given this CD to. It's called Bus 19. And we've handed that CD to them, and it's changed their lives. It not only changed their lives, it changed the lives of their family. Mm -hmm. Because Terry Hopkins is an example of what God can do with an old drugged-out hippie and a drunk. Amen. So listen to this message today, and I'm sure you'll agree it is an awesome story and testimony. Here's our good friend, Terry Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a privilege to be a part of a church with a soul-winning pastor, soul-winning staff, a soul-winning people. Soul-winning, that's the main thing to me. The scripture said, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And oh, what a difference Jesus makes. In May of 1982, Betty and I were living down in Lilburn, Georgia, and we didn't know Jesus. And I'll be right frank with you, I didn't want to know Jesus. I was doing my own thing, into alcohol, into drugs. Didn't need anything, I thought, but had never been happy. Had a place inside me that just could not be filled. There wasn't enough liquor to fill it. There wasn't enough dope to fill it. There wasn't enough running around and, and, and partying to fill it. It just couldn't be filled. My children rode a church bus week in, week out, month in, month out. Betty and I wouldn't go with them. I can remember getting up on Sunday morning, hung over and watched that old bus pull up in front of the house. And I remember cussing that old church bus. I remember standing watching those kids get on that bus. And I don't believe there was ever a time they got on there that God didn't pierce my heart. But I was hard hearted. They rode for a month, for a week. They rode for a year. They rode for two years. They rode for three years. They'd bring their little papers home about Jesus, and I'd look at those papers and wad them up and throw them in the trash can. But I was sitting out in my backyard in May of 1982, and the bus director came by. I thought it was an insurance salesman. He stood at that fence. He said, Mr. Hopkins, he said, could I speak with you for just a moment? And I thought, oh, Lord. I said, yeah, come on back. He came back and introduced himself, told me he was a bus minister, and I had a half a gallon of liquor sitting there beside the pool. And man, when he said he was a minister, I thought, well, this is not a good time for the minister to show up. But he said, I just want to ask you a few questions. And I said, look, let me save you some time, man. I said, if I want to go to church, I said, I, I know how to get there. I said, I don't want to go. And he said, look, church ain't going to help you. And that got my attention. I'd never had anybody tell me that. He said, but just five minutes. He said, five minutes and I'm out of here. And I said, all right, sir, have a seat. And he said, Terry, when's your birthday? And I said, my birthday. I said, July the 4th. He said, man, everybody celebrates your birthday. I said, I don't know about everybody. I know I do. <laughs> and he said, Terry, listen. He said, when were you born again? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, Terry, you were born July the 4th. Tell me about when you were born again. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, Terry, would you read a verse out of the Bible for me? And I said, yeah. And he owned the Bible of John 3, 3, where Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, Terry, who said that? And I said, Jesus. And he said, what did he say you had to do to go to heaven? I said, be born again. And he said, son, he said, are you born again? I said, Mr. I told you one time I was born July the 4th. That's it. He said, well, Terry, he said, if you died right now, where would you go? And I said, sir, before you ever got here, I knew where I was going. I'm going to hell. And he said, Terry, he said, you don't have to go. He told me about Jesus. He started in Adam, went all the way through to the, to the resurrection. And he said, Terry, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And I said, no, I wouldn't. I didn't understand what salvation was, but I knew it didn't have anything to do with liquor and drugs. And I made my choice right there. I wanted the liquor and I wanted the drugs. 
He prayed with me and he left. I went in the house and I found Betty and I said, Betty, I want to ask you one question. And she said, what? I said, do you think that I could go to heaven? And Betty sized me up and said, no. (laughs) She knew me. She said, what makes you think that? I said, didn't you see that guy out there? I said, he told me that I could go to heaven, that you could go to heaven, that anybody could go to heaven. And she said, what did he tell you? And I told her everything he told me. And she said, you know, that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. I went on about my business. I went and got my liquor and got my drugs. But as every day went by, I'd turn on that TV and somebody would say, you must be born again. (laughs) I'd walk in a restaurant and there'd be a track that somebody had left for the waitress, but the waitress wouldn't get it. I would. And I'd read that track. I'd ride down the road trying to get the lines to line up in the road by shutting one eye. And I think, man, if I wreck this truck, I'm going to die and go to hell. And the Holy Spirit would say, but you ain't got to. On July the 18th, Betty got up and went to church. Been under conviction since May. And God saved Betty. Betty came home that day. She walked in that door and and I have never, I knew that wasn't the same woman that left. And she began to tell me about Jesus. She began to tell me what it was like to be forgiven and how she felt. And it just got worse and worse. And all day long, she never quit. She didn't know. She said, Jesus loves you. She'd sit and hold my hand. She'd say, I love you. Terry, please do something. Please get saved. And I said, Betty, I don't do it. She went back to church that night. I said, Betty, what are you doing? I said, you went this morning. I said, no need in driving this thing in the ground. She said, I want to go. I said, you want to go? She said, I want to go. I said, then go. She went. But the Holy Spirit didn't go. He stayed right there with me. <laughs> he wouldn't let me breathe. Oh, how God loved on me. He told me he loved me. I went up and sat there and looked out the window and Holy Spirit reminded me of all the times I drove down that road and Betty had sat and waited on me. And I said, Lord, I'm, I am sorry. And Lord, I, I wish that wasn't so, but it's so. And that's the way I've lived. And what can I do about it? And oh my. Holy Spirit said you could get saved. I fought it. I fought it about 930. The phone rang and it was Betty. She said, I'll be home in just a little while. She was so happy. She came in. She said, Terry, she said, can I fix you something to eat? I didn't feel like eating, but I said, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to get her away from me. And I sat there and in my heart, I said, Lord Jesus, I said, there's no need in me promising you that I'm not going to drink anymore because that's a lie. I've made that promise a thousand times. And I said, oh, God, there's no need promising you how good I'm going to be there. That I'm going to church with Betty next Sunday because, Lord, as far as I know, I ain't going. And I said, Lord, the very truth is, Lord, I can't make you any promises. But, oh, Lord, I can't stand this. And, Lord, Betty's saved, and I know she's different. And, Lord, I know she's going to heaven, and I know that I'm not. And I said, Lord, but there's one thing for sure. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And Lord, I believed all that since I was a child. Ever since I've heard about you, Lord, I believed in you. 
I believed everything, all the stories I ever heard. Lord, I believe in all of them. But oh God, I can't stand this. And Betty came downstairs and sat down on the couch beside me and got me by the arm. And she said, Terry, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. And I said, Betty, I'm not fighting the Lord anymore. Amen. And she just looked at me and I didn't close my eyes and I didn't get on my knees, but I looked Betty face to face. And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not fighting God anymore. I accept the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. my Savior. And it was a done deal. God came into my heart. I felt the darkness go and the light come. And when Jesus embraced me, I stood. I walked across the room, turned around, and I said, Betty, God is love. I had never felt anything like the love of God. I stood there for a minute and I said, Betty, I'm saved. I said, this is it. I'm saved. It's, it's done. And she couldn't. She just crying and nodding her head. And I said, let's go to bed. And I went, I, my goodness. I laid there and I cried. Them old hot tears ran down my face. I finally went to sleep. And I woke up and looked out that window. I'd never seen such white clouds, such a blue sky. My, I never smelled the air smell so good. And I said, Betty, are you still saved? <laughs> she said, yes. Are you? I said, isn't it wonderful? Amen. We went to work. God just began immediately. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And what a difference at the Hopkins house. Me and my boys <laughs> went outside, took all the liquor out of that bar, all the wine. We stood out there and poured it out, had a river of liquor running around the side of the house. My neighbor said, what are you doing? I said, pouring this liquor out. He said, give it to me. <laughs> I said, no. I said, listen, Roy, I said, drinking liquor won't send you to hell, but it'll keep you from Jesus. I said, we're pouring this garbage out. Yeah. What a difference Jesus made. Wow. Went to church. I thought, Lord, what can I do for you? I didn't even know how to, it came down to, I finally said, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know. And all I could do is just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Went to church, joined, got baptized. And they got up and said, we need somebody to wash a bus. And I said, I'm the man. I'm the man. I said, here am I, send me. I'll wash the bus. And I went down there and started washing those buses. And honest to goodness, I thought that I would be doing that until either Jesus came back or until I died of an old man. I was the bus washer. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're doing it for. Amen. Amen. About the fourth, fifth bus I washed, they backed it in. It's mighty familiar looking. I saw that bus number on there. 19. Man, I started crying. Them guys said, but Terry, what's wrong? I said, boys, this bus got sent down by my house for the last three years. I said, if I did what I ought to do, I said, I'd get in and lick this one clean. I said, I so appreciate what he done. 
And them old boys got to crying. <laughs> we got out in that water and got on our knees and just thank God for them buses and for the opportunity and for the privilege to do something for the Lord Jesus. I thought, man, this is it. The next week they came out there and they promoted me. They said, Terry, next week, wear your tie. You're going visiting. I just thought it couldn't be so. Me, an old drunk. I'm going visiting. I'm going to knock on the door. And then they gave Betty a bus, told her she was a bus captain. And you know what Betty asked me? She said, I'm a bus captain. I said, amen. She said, what is a bus captain? Amen. <laughs> hey, I said, I don't know. Amen. I was her doorman. I had graduated from bus washer to doorman. Son, I got off that bus on Sunday morning and went and gathered them precious little old young'uns up, put them on that bus, loved on them, went in them old houses where them drunks were and waited around all them bodies. Get them young'uns and put their little shoes on. My, hug them, kiss them. Got a call one night. We've been running the bus for a while. And they said, Terry, could you come down here? I said, one of the ladies y'all pick up said, she's got a man down here and she's got a four-year-old daughter. Got a little son. I said, could y'all come down here? There's no food in the house. There's nothing happening. No money coming in. Could y'all come? I said, we're on the way. We went down there and it was wintertime and it was cold and you could see your breath inside that trailer. My goodness, me and Betty went to the house. We got up some blankets vegetable soup Betty had on the stove and we took that down there to that family and I never will forget that mama was in the other end of that trailer with a man and wouldn't come out so I went back in and told her what we was doing and we took put the soup up on the table there was no lights in the trailer so we sat down there and the little girl she said but Terry why'd you come down here I said because Jesus told me to she said oh she said, Brother Terry, where did the soup come from? I said, Jesus. She said, oh. And I said, that ain't nothing. I said, you see that street light out there? She said, yeah. I said, before this trailer was ever put here, before you were ever born, I said, Jesus knew that you'd be here without any lights, and that's why he put that street light there to shine through this window so you can see how to eat your soup. She said, Jesus did that. I said, Jesus did that for you. And she ate her soup. We got ready to go. Hugged on them and loved on them. And as we were leaving, she pulled on my bridge leg. She said, Brother Terry. And I said, yes, darling. She said, will you tell Jesus that we like the soup? And if some have compassion, making a difference. That broke my heart. We went back down that weekend, week out. That mama finally got where she would look us face to face and she was so defiant and so eat up in sin. Oh, it was terrible. We'd go down there, it came summertime and she'd dress just any way. She'd call me Mr. Sunday School. She'd, she'd tell me, I'd say, Kathy, will you come to church tomorrow? And she'd say, oh, I don't know, y'all go party with me tonight? And I'd say, Kathy, you, you just don't understand. 
This went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Went down one Saturday, and she made a fatal mistake. It's all right to pick on me. Well, we went down one Saturday, and she had all her friends there, and she started talking about Jesus, the one that had saved me, the one that had changed me, the one that had sobered me up, the one that died on the cross for me. And I said, Kathy, you can't get away with that. And she said, what are you going to do about it? And we were inside the trailer, and all her friends gathered around the walls. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do about it. She said, look, I don't believe in your God as far as I know there is no God. I said, I can prove it. She said, you can prove it. I said, I can prove it. She said, how can you prove it? If you'll let me pray, Kathy. I said, Jesus said, where two or more were gathered in his name, he'd be in the midst. And I said, I'll promise you something. When Jesus shows up, you know it. And I said, could I pray? And she looked around at her friends and laughed and she said, help yourself. So I helped myself. I got on my knees and the devil said, you idiot. <laughs> How are you going to prove to her anything? And I said, God, you've got to help me. Oh, God, if you've ever helped me, Lord, if I've ever backed you in a corner, I feel like I have now. I didn't know you couldn't back God in a corner. And when I got on my knees and shut my eyes and began to pray, her old dog licked me from my chin all the way up my face. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I didn't feel spiritual. I got that dog around the neck and I drug him up real close to me and held him real tight and I kept on praying. And I said, God, if you don't come and if you don't do something, I said, Lord, then they can say it's not so. And they can say that you don't keep your promises. But God, I know you do. And in a few minutes, you ever been where you knew you broke through the third heaven and stepped into the throne of grace and you just didn't ever want to quit praying? I just lingered there. And oh, we came back and settled back down. I got up, and I wasn't the one afraid anymore. They were. And I said, Kathy, I said, would you like to be saved? I said, fellows, wouldn't you like to be saved? And they just hung their head and shook it. And we left. That was on Saturday, on Sunday night. Betty and I were coming out of the church. An old beat-up car pulled up. My lady said, Brother Terry, I went to that car window, and it was Kathy. And I said... Kathy? And her old mascara and makeup done run all down her face. And I said, what in the world, Kathy? What's wrong? She said, I just haven't been able to get over it. She said, I'm, I'm not saved. She said, I'm going to hell. And you just don't know what all I've done. I said, yeah, but Jesus did. I said, he knew it 2,000 years ago when he paid for it. Amen. I said, Kathy, get out. I said, Kathy, what do you really want? She said, I want to be saved. Amen. Kathy got saved that night. And I want to tell you something. Two weeks later, she packed up and took off to go find her husband. But I have never in my life seen anything as beautiful as her and them two young ones and her robed in his righteousness. Amen. You, I tell you something that will make you beautiful is salvation. Amen. Jesus can make you beautiful. And she was beautiful. We stayed on that bus route for several years. We had a man saved one night. Daughter rode the bus one time. Said, we're moving. We went down Sunday evening, let him off the bus, and all the stuff was out in the yard. I said, when are you moving? Tomorrow. I went and asked the daddy. I said, can me and Betty come back and see you tomorrow? He said, if we're here, 
So we went back. And he was sitting there in that apartment, him and his wife, and he got lost a leg in a motorcycle accident. And we witnessed to him, asked him, did he want to receive Christ? He said yes. We prayed with him, prayed with his wife. She received Christ. Amen. We got in the car and went up the road. And have you ever done this? I said, Betty, you think they really got saved? And Betty said, oh, yeah. And in about two minutes, she said, you, you think they were sincere? And I said, I hope so. We went back Tuesday to check on them, but Tuesday they was gone. Weeks went by, months went by, we forgot all about it. About a year later, we were at a church in Revival. And after the first service, this nice looking gentleman came walking up with a suit and a tie on and the glory of God shining on his face. And he said, do you remember me? And I said, sir, I meet so many people, I don't know that I do. And he said, hey, he said, I was down in Lilburn, Georgia about a year ago. We were moving. He hit that old plastic leg and he said, I've lost my leg in a motorcycle accident. And I said, yeah, I remember you. I said, yes, sir. I said, your little daughter rode one time. He said, he said, yes. And he said, man, we got saved that night. And he said, we moved off up here and said, this is where we've been going to church. And he said, listen, he said, I got up one night and told these people. He said, I told them what Jesus had done for me and how he sent that bus down to my house one time. And he said, listen, we got us a bus. Said, but it was one of them four-speed buses. He said, they took us up offering and put automatic transmission in it where I can drive that bus with this old leg. He said, I've been a picking up young'uns all over this mountain and bringing them to Jesus. And I said, glory to God. He said, come here, I want you to look at my bus. And he drug me out there at that old bus and we used to give them away. Hey, we'd take them buses and if somebody wanted a bus, we'd take one by war out and say, you can have that one. Well, we had give that bus away. Me and Betty walked out there with that man and he was showing us that bus and the tears ran down. He said, I got up and told them people that bus had come down there and picked up my little girl. And he said, I want to go out here and said, I want to do just like that. He said, I want to be just like that. He said, that's what God wants me to do and I'm going to do it. And I walked out there and when I saw that bus, me and Betty looked at each other and busted into tears. It was that bus, 19. I said, sir... said, that's not a bus like the one that came by your house. I said, that's the one that came by your house. And you ain't never seen a one-legged man do a jig. <laughs> he danced all over that parking lot and praised God all over that parking lot. And far as I know, he's still up there running that old bus up and down that mountain, picking up youngins. Glory to God. What a Savior. Amen. I'm not going to get through here. <laughs> but I want to share this with you from our prison ministry. And I found out something with our bus kids today. They are the most rebellious generation, hard-hearted generation that's ever been. But I've also found out something that the gospel has not lost any of its power. Amen. If you can get them under the gospel, Jesus can still get them saved. The problem is getting them under the gospel. And I'm here to tell you right now, the woods are full of them. 
They're everywhere. You can go out there and put 50 on a bus on 100 buses or 50 buses or 10 buses. Whatever you've got the labors to do. Not a problem with the finances. Not a problem with the buses. But oh God, a problem with laborers. People going to get them. I thought my bus washer, doorman, God called me to preach in December of 82, sent me in the prison ministry. And I'm going to tell you what's the truth, and the Lord knows my heart. I don't mean this wrong, but it's like shooting fish in a barrel. They're there, they're broken. They've tried everything. Nothing works. They are so hungry to hear the truth. They want the truth. And I tell you, there's only one truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And he said, no man comes unto the Father but by me. There's 10,000 problems in those jails, but there's one answer, and it's Jesus. One answer. Oh, I tell you, and it's so simple to just love them and tell them about this Jesus. When we started in the prison ministry... Oh, God, so blessed. But about three years ago, we went to Gwinnett County, the detention center. And God began to move in there. Revival started. Inmates started getting saved. It, the, the cells started getting safe. Bible studies started popping out throughout the jail. People that were on suicide watch were getting saved. And they were finding them clothed and in their right mind. And the medical unit, the psychologist said, we want to talk to you. And they had a big meeting there at the jail, had the jail administration and brought me in. And I said, Lord, please let me keep my mouth shut and not mess this thing up. <laughs> and I sat there and tried to act like I know what I'm doing. And they had a man get up, been a psychiatrist for 40 years. He said, I work from the West Coast to the East Coast. He said, in my work, I have maybe what I consider five miracles. He said, and, and, and they're not, they really don't hold water. He said, but I've been here in this jail for 12 months. And I've seen what I consider bona fide miracles that I can't explain happening over and over and over. And he says, and I know it has to do with this man's religion. And I let them say everything they wanted to say and they discussed everything and they were saying, what can we do for you? We'd like for you to come in more. Would you? And I said, well, it'd be nice to have a preaching service. They gave me two. Amen. I said, it'd be nice to come in during the week and be able to sit down and talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. They literally gave me a key to the jail. Come in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. An old drunk. <laughs> Amen. An old doorbell. Go figure. <laughs> Amen. But we had a guy in there, and I'm going to close with this because I wanted to just touch on the prison ministry. But I mean, we had a guy in there and his name was Raymond. I got a letter from Raymond right here. He wrote me. But I, when they first took me into Raymond, they tried to give me the hard cases. They said, we're going to give you, and, and they would, and they considered Raymond a hard case. And Raymond was one of the most vile talking, vile acting. He looked like Charles Manson to me. Little old short fella and he just wild looking. Went in there, and they said, you don't have to see him. He's in maximum security. He said, but he wants, and we have to ask if you'll go in there as chaplain. And I said, certainly, I'd be happy to. And they took me in there, and that man ranted, and he raved, and he cussed, and he pitched his fits. And I sat there, and I'd watch him and listening to him. 
And finally he said, well, what are you doing here? I said, man, I don't know. (laughs) I said, I was just trying to figure that out myself. So when he quieted down, he said, well, ain't you got nothing to say? I said, yes, sir. I said, if you're ready to listen. He said, what is it you want to say? And I said, Raymond, I'd like to tell you about when God saved me. And I'd like to read you some scripture. I'd like to pray with you. He said, well, you've listened to me. Go ahead. I read him John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Man, I got down to the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then I prayed with old Raymond. And old Raymond shook my hand. He said, I thank you for coming. He said, I reckon you probably won't be back, will you? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I'll be back tomorrow if it's all right. He said, it's all right with me if it's all right with him. I came back and came back. And finally, after a couple of weeks, Raymond said, well, the psychiatrist's fixing to get me straightened out. I said, are they? He said, yep. He said, they told me I needed to set some goals in my life. I said, Raymond, that's wonderful. I said, what kind of goals have you set in your life? He said, two things. I get out, first thing I'm going to do is kill my wife. Second thing I'm going to do is see if I can get on the 10 most wanted list. I said, well, Raymond, I said, those are certainly goals. I kept going back. I kept giving him my testimony. I kept reading him John 14. Came in there and listen. Been going for a while. I don't remember how long. But they brought me in there one morning when he ran to the corner. Old Raymond's face was lit up. And he looked different. And I looked at old Raymond. He come around there and he said, Preacher, I've been praying you'd come. And I said, Raymond, you've been praying? He said, oh, Terry. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, there's been a Bible in the corner of my cell. I don't know how long it's been there. He said, I've been staring that thing down for a while, but I wouldn't touch it. He said, but last night, he said, I couldn't sleep. God wouldn't let me sleep. He said, I finally picked that thing up and found enough light. And he said, I started reading that thing. And he said, I couldn't read it. He said, and I just couldn't get nothing out of it. He said, I finally just, he said, I laid the Bible down on the floor and got out on my knees. And he said, I, I said, Lord, I don't understand everything about this Bible, but I know, God, that I'm not saved. And I do believe what that man said. Jesus, I believe you to answer. And Lord, I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I want you to save me. And he said, Terry, right then, he did. I'm saved. And I said, glory to God, Raymond. Now, I want to read this letter and close with this. Raymond wrote me a letter. He wrote me this that morning knowing if he wouldn't see me or not see me. He said, Terry, it's with great joy that I take pen in hand, for I have found the way to salvation. I've had my sight restored. I see the road to the promised land. For too long I was blind to the ways of the Lord, a friend of Satan, an enemy to myself, And those who love me, how low must a man sink before he asks, begs for help? I was that low out of desperation. I grasped the word of God in a discarded Bible found in a jail cell 
and it made sense. I understood that I was not alone, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the right way for me, always has been. I am a new man, a man with hope and love and most of all faith. Don't get me wrong, I still need prayer and guidance. Please send me anything in the way of extra prayers my way. I have a long way to go and need all the help I can muster. The devil still tempts me, but I know my love for Jesus is stronger. And the Bible said, and of some have compassion, making a difference. I promise you tonight as an individual, there's a little lad came to Jesus with just a lunch, would barely feed him. And in his hands, that's all it was, was just a little lunch. But oh, when he took that lunch and placed it in the master's hand, it became a miracle. And you say, well, I don't have much and I don't have much to offer. Can you drive? Can you knock on a door? That's not much on our part. But when we place it in the hands of the master, it becomes a miracle. Thank you, Pastor. Sometimes I fail God And wonder why He'd let me go so far Without a rhyme or reason He stuck around to watch me fall apart And sometimes I ask Him why Why would you want to keep me in your grave? I know I have done some things To make me want to run And hide my face and I think I can make it on my own Until the teardrops start Only when I'm sick or lonely when I see my life falling apart Now I'm getting on the right track Pray the Lord catch me if I fall For the days when I don't want Him Are the days I really need Him most of all Here I stand beneath him Begging for his mercy On my soul Again I've made a mess of things Lord come again and take control Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. I've left you out and made decisions on my own. Now I give them back to you. I lay them at your feet and walk on. And I think I could make it on my own. 
Till the teardrops start Only when I'm sick or lonely or When I see my life falling apart Am I getting on the right track Pray the Lord catch me if I fall For the days when I don't want him Are the days I really need him most of all Lord, the days when I don't want you Are the days I really need you most of all that was Joe Arview with We've All Failed God. There's not a preacher, a teacher, or anyone else out there, a chaplain, that hasn't failed God, man or woman, sometime in their life. But like Joe said in the song, that's why we have grace. And driver, there's nothing you've done in your life that the Lord didn't go to the cross for. He went to the cross to save us of our sins. You know, when I hear Terry Hopkins' testimony, that, that man was down as low as low can be. His life was falling apart. But yet the grace of God sent that man to him in the backyard to just talk to him about the things of the Lord. And that's all we're doing today, drivers, just talking to you about things of God. What he's done for us, what he's done for Joe Arview, what he's done for Dennis McKay, what he's done for Terry Hopkins. That's what we're here to talk to you about. We're not special. We're just now children of God. And how did we do that? Because we said yes to the Lord. Because we took all of our problems, our issues, and we handed it to him. Do we fail God? Every day. But we're saved by grace. And how do you get that? You admit that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you ask him into your heart and say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my heart. I need you in my spirit. Help me. Now, drivers, this isn't a 911 prayer. You know, we don't use God as a butler. There needs to be a, a change in your life if you're going to serve the Lord. And He'll help you with all of that. And so will we. At Lonesome Road Ministries, Channel 21 Ministries, Terry Hopkins, in the cab radio, we will help you with this transition in your life because that's what it is. So, drivers, I want to ask you a question. If you died today, where are you going to spend eternity? You don't have to say hell, because today, if you ask Jesus into your heart to change your life, driver, let's say this prayer. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I failed you in so many ways, but I also know you're a God of grace and mercy. So I ask that you have mercy on my soul, come into my life, come into my heart, and change my life today. I give it all to you, Jesus. And drivers, what we need to do then once you've said that prayer, you need to call somebody and tell them. You need to shout it to the mountaintops. You can call me. You can call me at 615-663-3199. Or you can give me a call, Chaplain Gary Rayburn at 618-383-2107. We love you drivers out there, and we want to help you. So give us a call. So here's Joe Arview 
with a song that says, Make Me a Better Man. You know, we have CDs that we can send to you. All you got to do is give us a shout. So here's Joe Arview, Make Me a Better Man. I just can't help myself But to be the way I am Some things I just can't help I'm just the man I am But when you walk away It's more than I can stand Lord, give me the strength To be a better man And I know I can do better I want to be someone I'm not Lord, I'll try And I'll try I'll give it all I Can't stand to be apart And I know I must have broke your heart But if you'll take me by my hand You'll make me a better man I lose my cool And you're the one there to see I'm like some raging fool Not the man I ought to be But you know my love is true If you'll just give me this chance Let me prove to you That I can be a better man Can't stand to be apart And I know I must have broke your heart But if you'll take me by my hand 
Drivers, we're going to end today's program with uh, my testimony and song. This is a song off of our Lonesome Road Volume 1 CD. It's called At the Foot of the Tree. And if you'd like to get a copy of this CD or any of our CDs, just give us a call at 618-383-2107. You can contact uh, Joe Arview at 618-927-1986. Log on to his website, joearview.com. Order some of his great music. You'll be glad you did. Man, I'll tell you, Joe has some of the best songs that you'll ever hear out there on the road. Here is Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree to end today's program. God bless y'all. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how oh, I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart